the Sports Career Podcast, episode 301. How can mindfulness support your career development in the football industry? Sports Achiever and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Career Podcast. I'm your host Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a particular sector in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in the football industry. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your sports career development, interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's podcast special guest is Cheedham Turkan. Cheedham has a fascinating football career journey. She's currently an academy auditor at the Premier League, where she specialises with education and player care auditor. Also, she is the licensing and compliance officer at Arsenal Football Club 2. So for that reason, it's such a pleasure to have Cheedham as a podcast special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, Cheedham will share her football career journey and explain to you why mindfulness is key when pursuing a career in the football industry. Cheedham, it's such a joy to have you on the podcast show. Please do share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Thank you. Uh, pleasure to be speaking to you. Um, and just to, to give you some credit at the start of this, that I've followed a lot of your work. So credit for, for all the exposure that you're given to, to various roles and inspiring other people. Um, <laughs> and on that, thank, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you for speaking to me as part of that. Um, I guess in terms of where it started, I've probably just been born and brought up into football, to be honest. Um, so I don't think it was a very big surprise when I then decided to study sport and exercise science at university and yeah I just like from there my mum was probably the most shocked but my dad like we grew up watching football together every weekend going to the football with him on the weekends as well my first experience within football was actually as part of my brother's grassroots team older brother and my dad insisted on getting me involved the team wanted him to kind of uh, support because in the past he'd been the chairman of various grassroots teams so they wanted him to be involved and he wouldn't take part unless I was kind of involved because he wanted it to be like a father-daughter thing so that was my first experience and I really appreciate that because I think it gave me the confidence to actually carry myself in what is still quite a, a male-dominated environment and was definitely so when I was still a student so I appreciate that because it gave me the confidence to then go forward and kind of go for the roles that I have um, my first paid role was actually as an Arsenal steward, and I still do have my matchday role at Arsenal. Um, really enjoy it. Really proud of the the role and all the experiences I've, that I've gained from it. Moved into various various positions on a matchday through Arsenal, deputy supervisor, working in the away turnstiles, which is still my favourite so far. Doing some of the European fixtures with the first team, and then now I'm in a licensing and compliance role with additional bits of safeguarding responsibilities as well, which is just like a combination of my interests. So Arsenal on the pitch, me doing what I enjoy off the pitch. So I have kept that job on, on the side of my full-time jobs. And then my full-time journey kind of started after graduation. 
had a bit of a disappointment felt that I'd gone to uh, a good university I went to Loughborough University which was you know praised really highly um, in the league tables which is how I don't know if people still do that but that's how I chose what universities I wanted to apply for and it didn't really work out for me in that sense so I kind of had to put in the graft which I'm used to doing and I think I'm grateful that I've had that side of the journey as well because it just makes every part of the journey a lot more meaningful when you know that you've really worked hard for it. So I started off in a voluntary position and that was through a, a Prince's Trust program. Even on the Prince's Trust program, even though I was one of the young people as a, a participant, I kind of morphed into like a mentor because I was one of the only ones that was a graduate in the group and we all had really different life experiences. So that in itself taught me a lot that actually it wasn't really that big an achievement that I had a, a degree really because I was so proud of the fact that I had this degree but it wasn't opening any doors at that point um, so that was like a, a massive settler and it humbled me quite a bit and then I just like kept grafting and I've not really stopped since so that turned into a 10-hour role then one of the partner colleges got me onto a PGCE so trained as a teacher then I was working across various projects because now I had education to add to the mix of uh, my other training and from there I I, I took on full-time roles uh, leading projects and department areas worked across sort of football development community sport social inclusion health all these jobs which to me I never knew existed within the football industry. Um, so great set of experiences to have in your first paid sort of full-time role. And then I moved over to, to Chelsea. Uh, I was part of the, the education team at the foundation for several years before moving on to uh, Palace. Um, so I've done the rounds of the London clubs so far, apart from North London, which is actually where I'm from. And then more, more recently into my full-time role now as um, part of the Professional Game Academy Audit Company, which is obviously attached to the professional game in terms of the, the Premier League, the FA and the EFL. But I think it is important to note that alongside the full-time job, job, as I said, I kept on the Arsenal role because it's developed me so much. I'm really interested in it. That the role models that I get exposed to as part of that job is just second to none. Um, still, like, top of my list is the, the safety officer at Arsenal. I just think she's incredible. But alongside that, I've kept sort of current in terms of other stuff, uh, chair of trustees at a, a Players Foundation, the Zesh, Zesh Raymond Foundation, um, doing a lot of work with minority ethnic groups and the South Asian community, also an associate trustee as of, sort of like a few weeks now of the Turkish Cypriot Community Association, which is quite local to me and obviously uh, speaks to my background and, and my community itself. Um, but aside from that, I'm, I'm part of a few working groups, steering groups around EDI, so the Surrey FA's Inclusion Advisory Group. Um, internally on a few working groups around, again, EDI, sustainability, uh, just areas of interest for me, which I think helps to, to keep my experiences and exposure quite broad. I've also got a consultant role with the FA, actually, as part of the Women and Girls Talent Pathway. I've been doing that for a couple of years now, uh, working on the camps um, and the, the newly introduced kind of talent ID days. Um, so that's all just like really contributed to, to the broadness of my experiences. And I'm really grateful for it, to be honest. I bet. I hope so, too. Like, I hope people are like taking notes of that keyword. We will talk on it in a lot more detail, the graft and put it in the hours. But I want to go back in time, way back because you, you, you really pricked my interest with regards to the connection when with your father at the grassroots level. Like, I would love to hear reflecting the benefits of that, because a lot of us, particularly students who want to work in the football industry, we look at, like, 
the, the, the glams, the glitter of the Premier League. And sometimes when you learn from the, the, the foundation of football in general, it actually opens up your eyes of like that pathway even more. So for reflecting, how crucial was that from a learning standpoint that you're in that environment starting out, then maybe the other way around, that makes sense. Yeah, like the one thing that I didn't add to the end of that is like very, very recently in the last couple of weeks, my brother and I have actually been appointed the, the chair and vice chair of a grassroots team in this same Turkish community league. Uh, so I've almost done like a, a full circle now. And the first thing I said to my brother was, yeah, I'm happy to, to support in any spare time that I have. You know, I'm going to be there. But I really want us to be able to engage with young people and give the same opportunity that I was given at the time, because no experience is negative experience even if it was a very negative operational experience for you there's something to learn from it so for me I've like one of the things that I would definitely say is don't turn your nose up towards any opportunity to have any form of exposure or network or experience because um, you can always find something to learn from it uh, whether it is good or bad you then can say well actually that was so bad I'm going to not do that so you've still found something to learn from it um, and that was how that experience was for me because it wasn't the most organized environment to be around but it was an environment and it was the experience that I was able to, to walk away with um, and the fact that actually I could start to put stuff on my CV so people could see how proactive I was being outside of studying I mean I have to to give some credit to my parents, my family, like my immediate family, we're just all quite switched on in terms of working hard and trying to gain experiences. So that's been something that's been fed into me since I was quite young, to be fair. I remember spending summers at my aunt's a lawyer and she had her own law firm. So sometimes the summer holidays at uni are quite long, aren't they? And it was like, well, why don't you just go do some work experience with your aunt? You know, it's not to get paid, it's more to build your experiences, your communication skills, doing stuff in an office that you've not been exposed to. Um, and that's really how we we spent a lot of our spare time. So you just, you can find something to learn from every environment. And that's something that I've really grown to appreciate. I want to touch on this because this is super important. I always say students, you can get experience in the industry and then get great experience out of the industry. Like, I kid you not, uh, Cheatham, when I was second year at Durham, I was working in a Lebanese restaurant and it was so much fun because one, I, it got me out of my comfort zone, but I had to learn a brand new menu in, in you know, Lebanese and then also connect with customers. And really, I loved it. We can talk on this a lot more detail, but, but the football industry is a service industry. You're in the event industry. So customer service is always going to be involved. So can we touch on that, really reflecting you on your work experience with uh, your auntie in that law firm? Like, can you remember any, I don't know, like examples of, ah, like, this is how to be approachable in a professional manner because law is one of those where professionalism is always key in how you approach yourself and for, and, and particularly your like your approach to clients if that makes sense. I'm sort of digging deep here so the listener can get a bit more uh, understanding can we touch on that just a touch like the, those learning days in that law firm with your auntie Firstly, like as a family, I think we've always had a certain aura to us. And my aunt is one of those people that you're a bit like, oh, I respect her enough to probably be a bit scared of her as well, which I kind of want to be like as well, if I'm honest. Um, so I was able to pick up on some of those mannerisms, like people at the top of their game, how do they behave? Um, and again, fortunately, my dad was a, a business owner. He ran his business. So we grew up picking up on some of that. How does my dad 
influence people but also have them on side so I mean I I was working at reception at my aunt's law firm but I was also working on stuff like you know preparing the bundles for the cases etc and that's just stuff that I wouldn't have really been exposed to if I didn't prepare to put myself in that situation as you said like that customer service side of it again and tying it into the, the Arsenal experience a lot of what we do on a match day is customer service really like yes when there's something involving safety or safeguarding yes you need to kick in and there is more to what you do but essentially the bedrock of that is having good communication skills good customer service and recognizing that actually whether someone's at a football match or they're coming in to see their lawyer that's an experience for them and you are part of that experience and part of that journey putting myself in those situations has really helped because now forward on down the line to get this job I was asked about how I'd find it to, um, you know, sit in front of academy management or leadership at a club and give them potentially bad news off the back of an audit. Well, if you already expose yourself to situations where you've had that experience from a very young age, it starts to become part and parcel of what you do. Well, yeah, you communicate with people, you understand how the message could potentially be received by someone and you start to adapt the way you might deliver that. And I've, yeah, that's just been part of a lot of my roles, to be fair. So I am glad that I had those experiences early on. So that was stuff that I could just get into really naturally in my full-time jobs. I'm going to dig deep even more on this word experience because when we hear that for a student sample, we think, oh, just tick box on the CV. What you mean experiences mean those situations when you've experienced for the first time and it didn't work out, you reflect on it, and then that happens again, you've had that past experience, so you may adjust your communication method, or actually, no, I am right. Could we just touch on what you mean experience on that side? Because yeah. there's almost, there's all confusion where a job says, you need two years experience, and I think you get better experience of how you've explained it all from a situational moment perspective. Um, hope that makes sense. Can we just touch on that? Yeah, so, I mean, for me, I always differentiate experiences anyway like it's almost on like a a spectrum there's different aspects of experience and one form of experience could literally be just being in the same room or same space or environment as something happening you don't have to be the one in the role to pick up from that experience and I think as students or people that are kind of like transitioning in roles we probably need to be more confident in the way we actually communicate the experiences and the, the wider exposure we've had I will always say we're not going to ever have every experience under the book, but we could have had exposure to it in different ways. I could have been in the environment. I could have been in the room. I might have been part of a wider team. It's what I've gained from that, you know, understanding and seeing something play out. So it doesn't always have to be the practical. You've been in the role. You've had the job title. It's about what you've gained from being in in a specific situation. And some of that does boil down to, to personal kind of, confidence and ability to get yourself in the mix but it it is also about what you put in and what you get out at the end of the day so some of that is uh, is on the individual as well absolutely now I want to touch on Arsenal I know you've mentioned it a few times but I saw in your LinkedIn it's 10 years if I'm correct like you've been involved in the student now you know that's a a long period of time and I don't want to go through year on year on year but may I ask what you've learned from like understanding how a club runs because when people say I want to work in the football industry I said well you need to get in that environment now you've been in that environment for 10 years so I'm just curious of reflecting not the skill set perspective but maybe the observation you've learned being around Arsenal Football Club like you're pretty used to it in, in how things are like running of a game from start to finish but reflecting now how vital is that even in the current work you're doing you've got that perspective of like yeah I know game runs pre-game 
and, and stuff like that. I just want the listeners to learn the benefits of just volunteering or being a steward at a club. You can get so much information during that long period of time. So, yeah, I'm just curious of what you've learned from those 10 years at Arsenal. Well, you say 10 years um, probably gives away some of my age, but also I just don't think you can ever really know everything start to finish. Even now when the season restarts, I'm looking forward to seeing what's new for this season. I'm looking forward to seeing how the experience is going to be different for the staff working there, but also the fans, the players. Is there going to be something different about the stadium physically or is there going to be something different about the fan experience that's put in, being put on? The football industry in particular and sports more widely is constantly evolving because it's so competitive. We're fortunate enough to, and I'm told this all the time on LinkedIn and social media, you're so lucky you're in the UK. And I'm like, yeah, I was kind of born here. I didn't just pack my bag and come here. But we are fortunate that we are operating around some of the the top clubs and the top league in the world as well. So um, we have the benefit of that competitiveness on and off the pitch. So I've been learning throughout the 10 years. I don't think there's ever been a time where I thought, oh, well, I've got this in the bag and we're just floating. I'm learning something new every, every match day that I go to. That's probably what keeps me so excited about going back. I love a match day. I don't think there's anything better than a match day, especially like an evening. Don't want to mention Europe (laughs) because... We're almost back to where we want to be, but we're getting there. But there is so much that you can learn about it. And it's not just about the the physical role you're in, but it's the environment. Again, you can start picking up stuff that isn't specific to your role. But if you have the interest, there's no better place to be than in the mix of it. And you, it's up to you again to like observe it and pick it up. Uh, one of the, the great things about um, the Arsenal role for me has been that it constantly puts me out of my comfort zone. Um, you know, difficult conversations, diffusing situations. Like I've been part of what we call like a response team that gets down to incidents and you're kind of like, oh my God, like little old little old me is like drapesing around with these big people that are really in a position to stop stuff. And you get there and you realise that actually I don't have to be physically influential but if I know how to communicate I can easily diffuse the situation before we even have to uh, debate whether someone's strong enough to stop something from happening or not and that's really been a benefit for me that communication side of it and understanding your role within a team regardless of stature which immediately when you tell people the nature of what you do it's like you really or you must kind of stand around and you're like no I actually play a role because I just use my skills in a different way so it, it is I would say like and I whilst I taught as part of sort of like my lecturing roles I always encouraged young people that I worked with to apply for roles such as stewarding or part of sort of like the hospitality teams on a match day it's it's vital and it's really helped me with my network I mean I don't know if Arsenal want to hear that but part of the reason why I keep going back my head held high looking as smart as I can every game is because actually I get exposed to network and people that I can sort of build relationships with whilst I'm there as well hope people are taking notes because this is where all these little commodities come together. There's one final thing I want to touch on because what I love about the your first answer was that you're part of like different, like the Princess Trust, other groups. Like how vital is that? Because I'm going to put my hand up when I left Durham, I thought I had the golden ticket, get the job and you're like, ah, actually uh, I had work experience, but it takes time. And I have learned the more you expose yourself to different groups or like trusts, that not just get your comfort zone, but you're meeting more and more people, your network grows, one, but two, you're putting yourself out there. So reflecting, how has that helped you? Particularly that Princess Trust one, where it seemed like that was that first stepping stone that led to other sort of community groups. I just want the listeners to learn the benefits of that, even if it's maybe non-sport related, but it can 
lead to the path eventually. Um, I just love your thoughts on this side of the thing of, yeah, different networking groups and the benefits of it. Well, I mean, I know as your CV grows and your years of experience grow, sometimes I was updating my CV uh, just last week and I thought, oh, like, is there going to come a time where it's not two pages anymore and I have to like get rid of the Prince's Trust? I'm going to have a fine, I'm going to find a way of putting it in there still because I'm so grateful for that opportunity. That was my first step into a club. Um, and in fact, I, you know, I, I live in Tottenham and I was looking at a jobs board and this guy walked up to me and to be fair to him, he didn't have the best communication skills. And I was like, oh God, not interested. I'm literally just looking at the jobs board. Like, please, I don't want whatever it is you want to talk to me about. I just, I'm not interested. Um, and then he heard me on the phone and I was talking about the fact that I really just needed like one thing on my CV and I knew that I could do it. Like that was all I needed was just one thing. Um, so then he went away, adapted his style and came back and he said, I can help you with the work experience. And when he opened with that, then I was like, okay, go on. Um, and he said, look, we're, we're running this program for, uh, I think at the time it was like for 16 to 25 year olds. Um, and it was kind of like a personal development slash employability program. Um, and that was it. Like the minute he said to me, you can get work experience. That was the only bit I was focused on. I wasn't, you know, I didn't know what I could gain from the personal development or employability stuff. I just wanted the work experience. But in fact, the whole program really taught me a lot because I was exposed to people that I wouldn't ordinarily be exposed to because we'd all taken very different pathways. Um, so again, I referenced that as like a really humbling experience. And that's probably helped me be as purposeful or the way I like to see it is mindful and empathetic of other people's experiences I really do take into consideration how someone else feels um, and that all came from being in that particular environment and I continued my association with the Prince's Trust for as long as I could and even now if I found the space and time I definitely would be actively involved but I'm an advocate of the work they do still and that's kind of stuck with me um, so I've always tried to get myself into various working groups steering groups and that's really helped me with my network but again like if you saw me in one meeting versus another meeting I'll be very different so some people would probably describe me as she's really quiet she just kind of like takes it in and then in other meetings they'll be like oh god she's that you know what because she's constantly challenging and she's constantly asking for more or pushing it further so I find myself in very different environments and I adapt very differently because I I see myself taking differently from that experience I see myself contributing very differently I don't feel like everybody ever knows the full me and I quite like it that way um because there are loads of perceptions of everyone and I'm sure there's there's lots of inaccurate perceptions of me as well um but when people see me in the different environments they'll probably be quite shocked as how purposeful I actually behave I'm very very considerate and mindful of how I come across which you know sometimes that can play against you so even preparing for something like this if I hadn't had such a busy day, I would probably be overthinking it, you know, like, oh, I hope I come across well. But when I'm thinking about that in a professional sense, I really do like to have the time and energy and thought to be able to say, well, this is what I want to get from this particular interaction or this engagement. You almost need to have a plan. Otherwise, you might miss out on, on quite a good opportunity. And one of the things that I've valued the most is networking, um, but also from my perspective, keeping my areas of interest alive not being pigeonholed into one direction which can happen once you get into a, a line of work you can really start to get narrowed down and yes it's great to to get quite specialized and therefore you might develop quicker etc there's those benefits but 
when I was kind of looking for my next step when I found this current role, I actually had job offers from really random parts of a, a football club. So I was in a position where I could really choose what step would suit my development best. Um, because I had kept my experiences so broad, I could write a CV that is totally different from another CV, but it's all still my experiences. It's still relevant. It's still honest and open. I just have experiences that I can mould in different ways and make myself more suited to a particular role because I've been able to do that over the, over the, the years. I hope people take notes. And by the way, I think I'm going to put my hand up. I think with our personalities, like I'm different on the mic, then I'm in a project. It's I think that's part of it. As long as you come across, and you are this, by the way, but talking to the listeners, like professional, hearing people out, because I want to talk about today's podcast topic of the importance of being mindful, because we're so enthusiastic sometimes or passionate, we, we, it gets ahead of ourselves. And I, I, even I'm putting my hand up on that at times. I'll give one example. I remember this is years ago when I was kept here with a university in Africa and the, the, the person, the students call me boss. And I'm like, what do you mean boss? Just, just call me Ed. Like, and then Dev, I'm being, he said, Ed, in there, that boss is like a word for sir. And I'm like, ah, and you just take that on board. But sometimes different cultures and how we get brought up. And that's what I mean, like how we come across, we're just going to be so mindful. I want to touch on that topic because I won't mention any club names, but I remember from our WhatsApp call, you shared me a story where you're working and you were sort of like blanked a bit and I'm like are you kidding me like you're working you've done the reps you're working at previous clubs and it saddened me that sometimes we see the positive sides like Arsenal where you've been there today but then when you're in a work environment where you were showcasing your skills that sometimes perceive people just because of our youth meaning I think I'm still young so I want to touch on today's podcast topic of like the importance of being mindful Web Sunaka in the football industry and sort of respecting who we are and what we are and not letting boundaries like ethnicity, youth or our like uh, backgrounds determine who we are. Because I think it saddened me when I heard that and you knew that how I responded. But I think it's vital that working in the football industry isn't, you know, this magic place of I've hit cloud nine. There is real business and there is real professionalism and it should be integrated with uh, integrity. So yeah, I just love your thoughts on the importance of being mindful of work in the football industry. I, as I said, I was like busy today, so I didn't get to do. I usually like to really over prepare for stuff. It's just again like part of my personality. Um, but the the few moments that I did have to reflect, um, I was actually sitting thinking, you know what? I'm quite proud of who I am. I'm quite proud of everything that makes me me. And I have to admit that you're not really told this and I don't think this is very specific to football but it is part of football and my experiences can talk to that that you don't always get told that you're not going to be just accepted for who you are even though we all everybody says that that just rolls off the tongue you know be yourself or we accept everyone for who they are that's not really how it is and there was a phase where that really got to me so aside from the the example that you and I discussed previously that's been that's been a little bit of a theme across various of my roles and I have come across issues and barriers and stoppers but I've really come to a point in life and life experiences more than career experiences teach us about this and obviously you and I have spoken about the fact that I lost my dad during the pandemic and I genuinely think that was a massive turning point for me not just because of how big a life experience that is but I actually really started to think like what is the worst that can happen we always say that as well that rolls off the tongue what's the worst that can happen but 
actually once something like that happens and you think shit I thought that was the worst now what can happen it's really given me this sense of like liberation to really be myself and be unapologetic about it because I always wanted to be like that I wanted to be really fearless about it and unapologetic but deep down I wasn't I still kind of worried about how I was perceived and how I'd come across and now I've genuinely dropped that fear because I really don't think much else can happen that's going to throw me off as this life experience has and I like I mean I'm talking about trying to take positives from everything and I know it's quite strange to be able to say I've actually managed to take a positive from this as well but I have like uh, I really do want to be myself um and sometimes that can offend people and I don't really mind that to be honest because if it offends them that means that we we were obviously not matched in terms of values so um it can happen it does happen people will put blockers in your way or people will perceive you a certain way but I really don't think that that should put us off in any way again we should be able to have those experiences and think all right, that wasn't a pleasant experience for me. But next time, what could I, if there is anything I can control about that situation, what is it that I can do? Am I prepared to do that? As long as for me, as long as it doesn't mean that I give on some of my values or principles, and I am happy to still adapt how I come across um, to make it a slightly more pleasant experience for me and the person that's obviously got an issue with uh, however I come across or the characteristics that I bring to the table. I think slowly we're just by being present and just by being ourselves, we do start to break those barriers down and get people to appreciate the value and difference. Um, and I love I I love being an issue to someone. I quite enjoy it, to be honest. I like it when people have an issue with me because that means that there's learning to happen and I'm going to be that person that <laughs> helps that learning happen. But, but it builds trust. Done the right way, of course. You know, it means that actually I'm not just a, a nodding I always think of Churchill, you know, who nods the head, the little dog. I, 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 I totally agree. And I totally get what you're saying as well. Like really quickly, I lost two family members within four days and I was having calls and they go, how are you? And I went, well, I have a choice here. Do I just say, yeah, I'm fine. In the back of my mind, I'm just not all right. But I remember one of the clients, I said, look, Mary, I actually lost two, two family members yesterday. With them. And it was like, it was liberating, but not that I wanted sympathy. It was more like they're mindful that, I'm not in the best headspace, but I will show up to my best ability. And I think this is such an important point because sometimes when we work in the football industry, it's, as I say, we've got the bells and whistles that we're privileged to work in it, but our life experience or our way of lifestyle is just as important too, because I bet you quickly from the last 10 years, particularly Arsenal, you know, it's not a 20, you know, it's 24 hours, isn't it? It's not a nine to five gig in this industry. So you've got to find time for yourself. And I want to touch on just emphasize my point reflecting now like the importance of being mindful I know it's used a lot in regards to like psychology well but I mean particularly in the football industry like being mindful working in the football industry just just want to emphasize that point and hit that home a lot more because I think this is vital yeah a recent experience for me in terms of like being mindful of your surrounding, your environment, the people that you're engaging with. I think sometimes we forget that actually everybody's on a very different journey and everybody has other things going on apart from these jobs. Um, and I was like that at one point. I was so absorbed and I like probably still considered by others to be like that too, that, you know, the career development is so important to me and like, you know, too ambitious. I, I've been described in some of those ways. And we do forget that actually there is like another side of people and that's why we're not all on the same page we're not all 
developing at the same rate or seeing things, receiving things in the same way. And if we don't act in a way that's mindful towards those differences or to those life circumstances, there can be an opportunity to to miss that human connection, which really goes a lot further than anything else is what I've learned. Or to kind of go at a situation and miss the opportunity for it to be a positive developmental experience. But actually it becomes like headbutting because you've missed you've missed a cue, you've missed something in the room that you could have really uh, used to influence that room. And very recently we were at a club and I was actually auditing during a week that was the anniversary of my dad's passing. So I was feeling really emotional. I, I was, I don't know how I got through the week, if I'm honest, I definitely cried still, but I was just so built up to this week that I was like, no, like I should have, I should have spoken up sooner. I wanted to, you know, make sure that everyone in the team was getting a fair crack and that I didn't throw anyone under the bus and drop out last minute or any of that. It just turned out that, you know, someone in the club was having a similar experience to me and it helped that person as much as it helps me. But we were both kind of at the end of the week saying thank you to one another. But I don't know if that person in the club knows how much it meant to me that someone really understood how I felt because it's I'm not good with emotion. So if someone shows emotion in front of me, like I'm a really supportive friend and colleague, but if someone's physically showing emotion, I really don't know what to do. I get like really still. And I, I felt sorry for my colleagues. I really did. I felt like I'd put them in a really difficult position because I'd showed that emotion. But it was really warming to know that someone on the club side knew exactly what I was going through and took the time out to make me understand that it was completely fine that I was showing this emotion. And in fact, they showed emotion first and all of that. It kind of like just cleared the air. And I then ended up having a much better week than I really thought I was going to um, because the actual anniversary day was like midweek. And it was all building up for me from the start of the week. But because we'd had that moment and I I openly said at the start of the week when we were introducing ourselves to the environment, look, please don't mind me if I get emotional. This is just in the back of my head, but it's really not reflective of your environment. I just want to be open with you in case you see emotion in me and you think that something's happened in your environment. And they really appreciated that. And that taught me that actually everyone's human and we do go through these life experiences and there's nothing to hide or be ashamed of prior to this stage in my life I probably would have thought that was a sign of weakness to show that emotion to share that to be that vulnerable in front of people but I recognized like shortly after everything that happened to my family that that's the best policy because there's nothing worse than being um, offended or feeling unsupported by an environment if you've not been open about how you feel I always say this managers and leaders can't lead to your individual needs unless you're open about what that is if you have an issue or you have a concern you really need to raise it with them otherwise they don't know and really we're setting people up to fail or to disappoint us if we don't give them all the information that they need to know about us they've also got stuff going on I can't expect them to do digging about what's going to trigger me or what's going to kind of enthuse me I am quite an emotional person um I get the feedback all the time again something that I'm quite proud of as a trait don't get me wrong I think that shows the human side but yeah it's just kind of reading the room being really understanding that that element of human capacity is just really important to me and some of the best leaders and best colleagues that I've worked with are those that really read the room, read the cues, take time to get to know people, understand them and have that emotional intelligence. And I think without that, you would really struggle to lead an environment. 
Hundred percent. That's the key word I was going to say. Afraid, sort of the emotional intelligence. I'm going to give a real life example. It's cool with you. Even our last WhatsApp message, you talked about your dog, and we've, if anything, we've had more conversations about dogs on Instagram, like of me, Archie, and your wonderful dogs. And and the first thing I said was about oh, when we have our podcast chat, I went, "How's your dog?" Like, because my, my Westie ten years ago had surgery, and you know I, that was more important for my reply than oh, let's rock the mic, you know, and, and that I'm just trying to be real to listeners here that this is what it's really about. Um, I know Cheatham's here and she's listening to me, but with building a network, it's start the conversation and then build a relationship, not get the transaction. Uh, that could be work experience or podcast. I think reframing it is being more human about it. And look, I want to talk about now your current role, because I said to you from our first ever Zoom call, I was like, what a cool role. Like, so could you just break down your actual role and, and just from a career standpoint, I you're the first one who audit does audits at football clubs. And could you just paint the pitch to the listener, like the key role and what you enjoy about it the most? Because there was a huge smile when you said, I do. So I'm going to give you the mic of what you're currently doing. So just to put it in perspective, I didn't know that the role existed. I didn't know that the company itself existed. And that's been a bit of a trend in terms of the opportunities that I've had over the years, I've never known that these roles have existed. So if there's one thing that students can take from it is that you can probably do whatever you want in sport. And I say this to everyone that I meet, to be fair, like you're a lawyer, you could be doing something in sport. You know, there's so many ways that you could apply your skills within an industry that I'm assuming you would love if you wanted to work in it. I'm one of the Academy Auditors as part of the Professional Game Academy Audit Company, which for short we reference as PJAC. Um, some people say PGAC, but I'm going to go for PJAC because that was what I was told first and now it's set. And we're a professional game owns company. So we're a subsidiary of the Premier League. Um, we also work closely with the, the EFL and the FA. And essentially we work with the academies within the clubs to audit the standard of provision. So it's not a financial audit, which sometimes people can get thrown off with, like Cheatham, we didn't know that was one of your broad skills. Um, and I'm like, no, really finances don't sit well with me still. But it's the, the standard of provision within the academy system. Our role is beyond just assessing the standard of the provision, but hoping to, to stimulate that provision to constantly improve. And I think that's where the real uniqueness and the influence of the role comes in. And I hope that that impact is just going to keep growing from season to season as we kind of build on what we're doing um, and the process itself. So the area that I specifically audit currently is the education provision and the player care provision. Um, we also all as a collective, even though we we audit across various disciplines, including leadership and management, the players pathway, performance support, coaching and safeguarding which is done by Bernardo's currently we're also involved in the the three layers of the audit so there's a safe to operate layer um, then a compliance layer and then the standards layer which is where we come in as the the discipline specific auditors but we're involved in like the safe to operate and compliance audits as well which covers the, the range of those disciplines so I'm also learning and developing whilst I'm in the role which obviously is like a, a massive green flag for me. It's the, the thing that I really thrive off. So it's been a real combination of all the things that I'd like to do practically, but all the skills that I'd like to use and develop. So yeah, I, I am quite grateful for the role. And obviously it goes without saying that you get real good exposure across the clubs, across the various categories, across the, the leagues as well. But also for me, I've been able to really develop the 
some already existing relationships that I had with people at the Premier League, but now as you know, being viewed as someone that's internal to the system, I've really been able to to build on those relationships, forge new relationships. And that's where I've been able to continue being involved in wider projects outside of my job role. Um, so yeah, it's been a massively developmental first season for me and really enjoyed it to be fair. Uh, and now I'm just kind of like plotting and planning about my next season and the development that I want to get from that. Okay, I know we can't put names and I don't want to, but with regards to a football club listening in, when we had our first call, it's like, it felt like when you were going and your team, it's like they're being judged. It always reminds me of like a headmaster from another school going to another school and they're like doing evaluation. I said, this is like, from a business standpoint, to be audited is a great way to get feedback. So could you sort of say a little something from a club perspective, like we're here to help to, you know, to see the pros, to see the areas of improvement, not we're judging of all the negatives. Because I think, like anything, when we get evaluated, we, as human beings, we go in that defensive step. Like, and I'm just saying, what, you remember my, I always remember my reply to you going, I wish I had feedback like that. Like, and um, I just don't think sometimes the clubs may see it that sort of perspective lens. Um, and also hearing the hard stuff, like hearing the reality and it gives them a chance to go back to the boardroom in general and then have an, set another game plan for the next season. So I, would you mind you sharing like that perspective then you just evaluate in a club for the, for the sake of doing it, which I know you're not, but just from a club perspective, could you just share that side of how to approach it in a positive light, not negative, if that makes sense? Yeah, so that's obviously an, a natural part of how we need to, it's not that we try to, but we need to get the buy-in from the clubs for it to be a, uh, a positive process both ways I would really hate that to think that a club would just see it as a you know it's just an exercise that has to be done and just let it be done and we won't even reflect on it um, so we try our best to, to bring the clubs along on the journey I always think of things as a journey and I need to take people along otherwise we're just doing it for the sake of it and that's really helped with some clubs where there's been in the past, there may be this perception that maybe this club isn't as open to whatever process is, not just the audit process, but generally being able to communicate the purpose of what's happening and how to frame it in the most positive and developmental way really does help with the buy-in. And once you get that buy-in, like it's great. Like you see the appetite from the clubs, you see um, the fact that staff have been encouraged to share and to really embrace the process. And that's like, that's when you all, enjoy it the most because you're really getting the true feel for, for that organization. Um, and we've really worked on the processes. Obviously I've only been around for a season, but I understand that there's been a transition of the organization that, that led the audit and then the new kind of version of this audit. Um, we try our best to really get into it and understand it, live it and breathe it. I I'm really purposeful again of, getting around to as much of the activities as I can whilst I'm on site, making the most of the time that we've been given there um, so that they can really show themselves, but we don't miss an opportunity to either celebrate something really good or, or find a really good piece of constructive uh, recommendation to be able to give. Um, so it is a journey, like the whole audit process is a journey, but it's also a journey sort of like day to day, really, like what is actually happening um, and really getting a feel for it. So it is a good process. And I hope that 
it just continues to get better, but also that the clubs start to to really embrace it and use it for the positive impact that hopefully it will have. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said the word buy and I know what that means, but I think a, a, a better phrase I'll say is look at it as like a collaboration of forward thinking moving forward. So um, is that sort of the mindset approach uh, you try and achieve with your team just from a, if a club's listening in? perspective we try to um encourage what we call an mdt approach which is a multidisciplinary approach which is kind of like involvement from across the various disciplines and departments that make up the academy um we try to emulate that ourselves in the way that we operate as well um so we go in as an mdt team um so that we have the skills and expertise that covers the the range of activities that we will be exposed to whilst we're at an academy um but we also do that in some of the activities. So we've introduced various bits um, to the schedule, which allows us to really hone in on some of the, the good work that's happening. And as I said, like as much as you pick up the good work, you'll naturally then be able to understand an environment enough that your recommendations are really specific and constructive. We don't really want to be making recommendations for the sake of it. Well, I definitely don't. Um, I want it to be something that a club can really pick up and improve their environment with. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that in general, the great thing of it is you hear this word team culture, but it's actually like a you can help evaluate teams with this business culture at the club. And may I ask, no names, but have you learned through all that from your from the last year? Like it's quite cool that each club has its different environment that suits their needs um, within their geographical location. Because the great thing about I love about the UK is you've got. Up north, clubs are a bit different for you down south. I'm just talking in general terms. Have you seen that observation? Just in general, no names, but I'm just curious of the culture of football from a geographical standpoint. Yeah, you'll see the culture of people as humans come through quite a bit. The culture of an environment in terms of like the community around it, it probably comes through stronger in terms of the wider club operations and like a match day environment, probably. We don't see as much individual difference in that sense, but I have been to a few environments where I've felt really kind of proud and happy that the boys that are coming from the local environment seem to be themselves, like bully themselves. I put that in my reports because I want people to celebrate that side of it because it's exactly the same for us. Um, Like earlier in the conversation, talking about, you know, being unapologetically yourself. I don't know how impressed we should be if we went into an environment that was really clinical and the staff or the players couldn't really show their personalities. So I think there is something to be said in that as well. Um, The boys are being developed as people as well as their footballing skills. So their individual differences and personality has to come into that. Having said that, there's probably still quite a long way that the industry has to go in terms of diversity. And I mean, like true diversity, various characteristics, if we're talking protected characteristics, but also that diversity of four of personality um, and being able to kind of like own that space. So there- I was going to say acceptance to who we are within that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah there's probably a little bit of work for that to happen still um but yeah I, I find it quite positive when I go into an environment and I almost feel like I know what community I'm surrounded by I know what geographical location I'm in um and I think clubs should be more proud of that really out of interest reflecting now what have you enjoyed the most from your football career journey looking back right now um I mean I always really reflect on my 
cultural and family experience, if I'm honest. Uh, we come from like a Turkish Cypriot background with Cypriot of Turkish background. And we're, we're quite a small nation, firstly, uh, but we don't we're not necessarily very well represented within the industry. So when I reflect on how far I've been able to come with the opportunities that I've been given, um, I'm quite proud of that, to be honest. And I'm super proud of how excited my family always are about like my opportunities and the work that I'm doing. Um, and I think if it wasn't for their support, I probably wouldn't have been able to do it anyway. So as much as they're proud of me, they should probably give themselves a bit of a pat on the back for making that possible for me as well. Um, I do come from a culture where probably there's still a little bit of um, lack of awareness, I'd say, around the careers that you could potentially pursue and the things that you could achieve working in sport. Um, so for my family to have supported it so much from uh, day one, I think that's like testament to them as well to be fair um I've, I've just been proud of that we've like as a family we've always bonded over football like we've always gone to fixtures all together um as I said on the on Sundays we'd go to my dad's football he had teams he was a chairman we grew up with kits that had our surname on the front because my dad's business was Turkin International so he'd sponsor the kit so I don't like just growing up with your name branded across kits and then not like my parents never brought me up to feel that there was any kind of barrier or blockers. Um, yes, I know it exists in the industry, but it's not something ingrained in me. Um, and I really do hope that young people don't grow up hearing all the talk about barriers and discrimination and lack of representation and create those mental blockers for themselves. Cause it can be really hard to see yourself in an environment um, or visualize being in that environment if you are getting exposed to the negative aspects of it. Once you are in the industry, once you have the career path that you wanted to have, it's like really rewarding. I'm I'm really happy with what I do, even on the days that I might not appear to be happy. Um, we probably don't get enough time to reflect on our journeys, to be fair. So that's important for me as well for us to start reflecting from a positive stance um, so that we're not always just reiterating some of the negative experiences, just see them as learning experiences. I don't even like to call things like that negative experiences. I just like to call it another learning experience because it's exactly the same as having a positive experience, really, as long as I can take something from it, it's meant something to me. Totally agree. And also I want to change one thing. You created the opportunities. I won't give it to you. You had to put in the shift. Like you said that word graft. And when I heard your first response, I was like, absolutely <laughs> so let's emphasize that but look i feel like we're at a great stage of the interview where i'd like to finish with an inspirational question and you provided bags already so feel free to reflect on some of your points but i want to really hit home like reflecting now three skills that have particularly helped you in the football industry like what three skills have supported you and you'd share with the listeners right now when people are taking in this sort of information just to be mindful of the context uh, like advice or skill sets are going to be very different from one person to the other and from context to context. So um, I, I like follow a lot what people say and you have those leaders that you look up to and you try to emulate some of that, but sometimes that's not what you need in practice. You need something very specific to yourself. So in terms of the, the physical skills, I'd say that confidence, but as you said, with like that measure of, you know, doing it in the, the most respectful way, um, and that confidence in any environment, it shouldn't really matter what environment you're in. You can find something that can build that confidence in yourself. Um, 
And I think it is important from the emotional side of things. Emotional intelligence for me is really important, but also being able to reflect on that in terms of your own emotions and your uh, kind of your presence within an environment as well. So it's no good being really in tune to other people's emotions and what their needs are and then kind of like forsake your own. Uh, You need to get that balance right so that you're still kind of staying within your values and looking after yourself as well. And I think one of the things that's really helped me, I always say that this is probably a strength and a weakness for me, is being quite strong and committed to what I think is right. And I always say to people, if something's right, it's right. And if it's wrong, it's wrong. That You can't really explain to someone whether their feeling is right or wrong. Um, And because I kind of do some work around the EDI space, I do engage in this conversation quite a bit. I don't think there's any form of wrong that is any less wrong. If it's wrong, it's just wrong. And one of the things that I'm proud of being able to do, and I know I've definitely taken this from my dad, is if something is wrong, but it doesn't necessarily bother me, I still make it my fight. I still feel a human duty to be able to address something that isn't right. And the reason why I say that's a weakness as well as a strength is that sometimes that emotion can take over and it it becomes something that you're invested in um, and it might not work out for you or the person that you felt was kind of impacted by it in the first place. But it can also mean that you achieve that change and you achieve that impact and you've built that human connection with someone And then on the flip side, you then expect people to be able to do the same for you. So when they see something that you're impacted by, but you don't have the strength in that moment to speak up for yourself or to create the change, you start to build this culture of accountability with one another. So you pick up on that. Um, And I think that's that's been a real positive for me is like being able to stand up for what I think is right and what I think is wrong Um, and then start to see that change in the people around me when they start to say, well, actually, even though I wasn't impacted by it the right thing to do is to address it, to, to speak up about it. Um, so I like just, as a general, I think those human skills for me have been a lot more important in terms of how I've progressed in the industry, but also how I felt about my managers and the people that are leading me. That's been a lot more important to me than the practical um, or industry specific skills that they've brought to the table. Cause at the end of the day, we can find skills, but you can't always find good people that you buy into. I hope people apply those three, and I'm going to emphasize them a bit. They are confidence, that piece, uh, emotional intelligence, and then those human skills, I think, in a general standpoint. And I love the beginning, what you said, like, you have to apply them to the area you want to work in. What we've discussed is just very general, which I prefer from a skill set standpoint. But look, Cheatham, how can people interact with you online? Like, where are the best places to go? LinkedIn, obviously, my name, uh, Cheatham Turkan. And just to say, sometimes I take longer to get back to people, but I am very, very mindful of just accepting people and then not speaking to them. Um, So I make sure that I put in time to accept requests, but write to people. I like to look at people's profiles. And again, if we're talking about tips, this is a massive one. Get to know the audience that you're you're trying to connect to um, and start a conversation. Don't just add people, start a conversation because you never know what that could lead to. Um, even if you're not asking for something, you're, you're building that network with them. And that's worked really well for me. I've got really sound um, people in, the, in my network now that I can really bounce off. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to kind of connect with people on LinkedIn and then I can share email, et cetera, but wider social media, happy to connect with people as well. 
that is great to all the listeners listening that linkedin link will be on my show notes with regards to this podcast Keith, it's been such a joy chatting with you today thank you very much thank you ed thank you what a fascinating podcast chat with Cheatham. Honestly, there's so much we discussed in this podcast. Firstly, I hope with regards to today's podcast topic that being mindful is massive with regards to pursuing a in the football industry. As much as it's such an exciting industry in general, it's so fast paced. But when you work in it, it's important to acknowledge who we are and how we respect others in the industry too. But with regards to Cheatham's sports career journey in general, Honestly, I couldn't admire the most from her with regards to her hunger and desire, with regards to her work ethic. Like, without a doubt, work ethic just elevated of where she is right now due to the hard work behind the scenes. Like she said, with the current role she's doing is so interesting and fascinating. And I hope you've learned about this role too, of what football clubs do behind the scenes to make sure they're growing and developing as an organisation. And then with regards to certain aspects, which I really enjoyed the most myself, was the experience at Arsenal Football Club. And the key theme as well that was discussed in this is understanding the working environment you work in. Even if it was that work experience that Cheatham had with her auntie in the law firm, Understand the environment is massive and it's not really emphasised enough because when you understand that working environment and then get alignment with your skills, personality and knowledge and then you are really got that fulfilment working in that environment. That's where the real joy of pursuing a career in the sports industry is all about or football industry. Like there is long hours, you will put in the reps but as long as you have the joy in what you do and of course you have those bad days as well. I'm trying to make this so human and down to earth because like Cheatham says like What she does is hard work, but she loves that game day experience when at Arsenal, for example, when she's involved in that line of work. So I'm just trying to paint the picture that it's a brilliant industry to work in, but just be mindful of reality. And that's where I admire Cheatham in this conversation, because she shares what really goes on behind the scenes when working in the football industry. So look, on that note, I really do hope you found this podcast helpful with regards to your sports career development really apply one aspect of this conversation which you can apply to your sports career development now and make it happen now as always at the end of each podcast episode i'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker cheatham said with any experience good or bad there's always some kind of learning you can take from it to support your personal growth